the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. Gosh, we've got a lot coming up for you today. A lot of education, a lot of uh, uh, youth and mental health policy. But let's start with something I kept really meaning to get at yesterday. Uh, let me start, if I might, with... Uh, Anthony Fauci's long goodbye uh, and read to you how Scott Johnson rendered it. And then I'll throw in a few additional thoughts at age 81. Scott writes the fallacious doctor. Anthony Fauci is living proof that self love can't kill you. If self love could kill you, Dr. Fauci would be pushing up daisies instead of basking in the glow of his bottomless self regard. His official motto, la science, c'est moi is fit for a king. Students, by the way, if you can't understand my French, the science is me, is what that came out, or meant to come out as. Students of ancient history may recall that only last month Fauci contemplated leading, leaving, leaving his office and the advising of President Biden until the end of the Biden administration term. That's what he said. And he put it in various interviews. The good news was that he would be leaving. The bad news was that his leaving was long overdue. The funny news was that he gave himself room to stick around in case Biden were to leave office early. He intended to stick around until the end of President Joe Biden's term, as one story in the Politico put it. Something happened. Yesterday, Dr. Fauci released a statement announcing that he would step down and the White House, from his White House and NIAID positions in December. He must anticipate the arrival of post-election Republican majorities in at least one chamber of commerce. Don't you think that might have had something to do with it? Politico quoted Anthony Fauci this way last month, quote, We're in a pattern now. If somebody says you'll leave when we don't have COVID anymore, then I will be 105. I think we're going to be living with this, Biden's chief medical advisor said when asked whether he is staying on in his role out of a sense of obligation. He's not, the Politico reported, but his assessment that will live with COVID-19 for many years to come is a startling admission from the longtime infectious disease expert who said the country could flatten the curve and achieve herd immunity first through social distancing and then vaccination. In his July 18th Wall Street Journal column, James Friedman anticipated Fauci's announcement yesterday. Remember, this is about a month ago. James Freeman writing a month ago, quote, if Dr. Fauci lives to be 105, he will likely never be able to undo the damage that covid policies inflicted on America's children. He promoted shutdown policies that isolated them from friends, opportunities and care, saddled them with trillions of dollars in federal debt and due to degraded education, reduced their future earnings. He never could have sold lockdowns in 2020 if he had said then what he's saying today about the long-term presence of COVID. Keep that in mind. If he said this is something we're just going to have to live with, he never could have accomplished or said anything he said throughout 2020 or last year. 
Even in the spring of 2020, there was ample reason to question the wisdom of lockdowns, and many of us did. There was ample evidence that kids faced little risk from COVID and that schools would not be the super spreaders of media lore. There was also ample reason to focus on protecting the vulnerable rather than turning society upside down. Dr. Fauci's endorsement of school closures while freely acknowledging he did not have a thorough understanding of the harms should be a lesson in schools of public health on the need to avoid panicked responses to future viruses. James Freeman concluded this way. This column will go on a limb and predict that if Republicans take one or both houses of Congress this fall, gaining oversight authority and subpoena power, Dr. Fauci will be leaving long before January 20th of 2025. That's the end of the column. Scott Johnson says, I would like to say that goodbye is too good a word, so I'll just say fare thee well. But farewell is too good a word, too. You know, we all have probably our favorite uh, hits or, you know, our least favorite hits of Anthony Fauci. What's amazing to me is how many people did bow down to him and did worship at the altar, altar of every pronouncement of his, even though the pronouncements contradicted one another month after month after month after month. Perhaps my favorite is maybe not even the most important but it was when he was doing an interview last year um and he was asked about a study on um he was asked about a study on uh, natural immunity that is to say the immunity you get if you didn't have a vaccination but you had had covid and his response in that was i'm going to have to look into it it was based on a study that had come out of Israel. And uh, he was talking to Sanjay Gupta at CNN. And Sanjay Gupta asked Fauci, if people had COVID, should they also get the vaccine? And he said, quote, you know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't really have a firm answer to you on that. Close quote. As if natural immunity in the year 2021 was a mystery to anyone, including Anthony Fauci. He just wanted to ignore that. He wanted to ignore it for a reason. Of course, those of us who had been following Anthony, Anthony Fauci's career, or at least had the ability to do a little bit of research, could dig up this gem from the 1980s. Uh, but she said the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be, because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And if she she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Yeah. So he was saying that in the 80s. That was, by the way, on C-SPAN. I heard Marty McCary. Do you know Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins? Uh, He he has been a Fauci skeptic for a long time, highly credentialed physician at Johns Hopkins, writes for The Wall Street Journal, sometimes appears on Fox News. And he was saying today in an interview with Fox News, he was saying the problem Anthony Fauci had is he became famous with the AIDS crisis. And that's he was on uh, C-SPAN back in the 80s talking about AIDS there. Someone asked about vaccines and the flu vaccine. Um, he became, Marty McCary said Fauci did, became famous with the, um, the AIDS virus, the crisis of AIDS. 
and he has since treated everything like it, including COVID. And the problem was COVID was not AIDS in any respect. And it had different populations and different vulnerabilities to different populations. He made this point, McCary, McCary said, Anthony Fauci never distinguished between how COVID would affect children versus how it would affect old people. He never distinguished between the vulnerable populations. Here's, here's the kicker. McCary said, and I quote him, he said, and there was a 10,000 percent difference. And he treated it all the same. You know, when anybody says, if you're listening to me, you're listening to science, science, c'est moi, as Scott Johnson render it, you know, you better be careful. You better be careful because, yeah, science changes. Humility would have gone a long way with Dr. Fauci. If I have a complaint about Donald Trump, and I have some, I have some, some very serious ones, in fact, it would be that he not only listened to him, but who could blame him? We were trying to listen to anyone up front and at first who seemed to have expertise in the novel coronavirus, but he continued to let him stay on. He continued to let him spout. He continued to let him serve as a fifth column within the very presidency over a virus that was weaponized for political purposes against the very administration that was touting Anthony Fauci. It was endowed self. It was promoted and endowed self-destruction and political and social destruction of this country. Anthony Fauci is going to have a wonderful uh, retirement. He is going to get speech deals and book deals. He is already on a pension that most of us would marvel at if we knew the full complement of it. But what is left in his wake, what is left in his wake is social destruction on a scale that will take a generation to dig out of. Whether we're talking about mental health problems, whether we're talking about economic problems, whether we're talking about children's problems. I'm going to interview uh, later in the show Bertha Madras on the new study that came out on drug use. And yeah, that spike, that increase, that damage being done to children and young adults that's on Anthony Fauci, too. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're offering a fixed, no-load interest rate, up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi, a due diligence-approved firm, is run by investors doing really well by doing good for others. And you can be too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, refi, refy.com. Invest, the letter Y, refy.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. I know these guys well. Really good guys. All right. I did want to spend uh, some time with you also on uh, – uh, on some further thoughts about the condition and state this country is in, given the polling yesterday out of NBC. It's funny how it disappeared from the news today, isn't it? It's a big poll. It's a big number when 75 percent of the country believes this country's in the wrong direct heading in the wrong direction. That's a big deal. Seventy five percent. And um, boy, it's amazing what the news doesn't cover, isn't it? You didn't see that in the morning papers today, did you? Did you see in the Arizona Republic 
the story that drug use among young adults is at an all-time high? Did you see that? That's a story, isn't it? An all-time high of a negative that's affecting our children? That should be a story, shouldn't it? Don't you think that merits a story? That, that news came out early yesterday morning. No, you won't find that in the Arizona Republic. You will find articles about the Republican Party and racism. Sure, you'll find that in the Arizona Republic. How to protect children and the reasons to protect them and that they aren't protected from these depredations is, uh, and, these, uh, and these challenges, that's not a story. Why? Because the news is what they tell you the news is. I was fascinated once by hearing um, – because I, I guess I did it and agreed with it without in really thinking about it in these terms. But uh, I was fascinated to hear about two years ago Dennis Prager say that um, he doesn't get any of his news from the television. And I think that's wise. Uh, he said the reason he doesn't is because he doesn't believe that the television gives him the news that's important or at least not important to him. And so, you know, a lot of people have taken that position. I'm one of them. A lot of people have gone one step further. I have, I think, let's see, with the exception of one, with the exception of one person in my life here in Phoenix, of all my friends, I think I'm right about this, none of them but one reads the Arizona Republic. I read it, um, and this one other, but none of my other friends read it. And one of my smartest, uh, who's in the news himself uh, often, uh, said to me, um, he, he, he doesn't read the Arizona Republic because it has nothing of interest to him. It doesn't cover the stories. And when it does cover stories he's, re- he's, he's interested in, it never tells him the things he wants to know. So someone said to him, I was in a lunch with him about a week ago with a group of people he said this to. And one of them said, well, how do you get your news? He said, well, you know, I kind of do it myself. I have access to, you know, more information than, you know, the greatest libraries in the history of the world. And uh, he said he'll start in the morning with something like Powerline and move on from there. I I think that's smart. I mean, you find the people you respect. You find the writers you respect. You find the news sources you respect and you read that and you hunt down anything you want from those stories because they provide, in most cases, hyperlinks, you know, where you can go to the original sources. So, for example, if Powerline is citing to uh, a statistic uh, that's important, perhaps the rising drug use issue would be one of them. It'll link to the it'll link to the actual study. It'll link to the actual report and you can do it your Self. We don't have to rely on things like the Arizona Republic for our news, but I will tell you, the problem is that is is not that we don't have to. The problem is that most people don't know what we know. Most people think that if it's in the paper, it's credible. They think that if something's going to be broadcast on TV, it's credible. You know what's interesting? You know what's interesting is you know half or more of the country does not share that opinion. When it's their goose or, excuse me, their ox that is being gored, you know, how many times have you heard friends of yours say, well, where did you hear that? Radical or extremist right wing or right wing radio, right wing talk radio? Well, you know, I can't speak for others. Um, I don't know what their definition of right wing is, 
But I will tell you, if you just took, I'm not even saying three hours a day, I would love it. But if you took three hours a week, it's an experiment I'm willing to bet money on. If you took three hours a week and tuned in to, say, Dennis Prager, let's use him as an example. If you took three hours a week and listened to Dennis Prager and that was exclusively your news input for the week or if that was your news input for the week exclusive to television and print newspaper, you would be a more informed citizen at the end of the week than if you didn't listen to Dennis Prager and you relied on CNN and the Arizona Republic or the New York Times. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. You will be more informed. People can write him off. People can write off what we do here as they wish and if they want. But our challenge is slightly actually different. Our challenge is that people do will not engage in that experiment and will rely on the paper and think if the paper or CNN says it, it's credible. And the reason they think I remember must have been about 1998. I think it was 97 or 98. Matt Drudge, he had, you know, people forget how new the Drudge Report was. Matt Drudge um, was giving a speech at the National Press Club. He was all the um, he was all the rage because he did something the newspapers would not do. Do you remember what made him famous, Bill? Do you remember what he did that made him famous? Have I asked you this recently? What didn't what put the Drudge Report on the map? Do you remember? Yeah, exactly right. The Clinton scandal, uh, the the Clinton Monica Lewinsky scandal, was being investigated by uh, by uh, a reporter, a well known reporter uh, for ABC, and they spiked it. They spiked. They wouldn't go with it. Well, it got to Matt Drudge. He chased it down, ran with it, and it put him on the map. If there were no Matt Drudge, it's a question as to whether that story would have ever come. To light. It's a real serious question. I mean, the major news organizations had it and they spiked it. They did not want to go with it. Matt Drudge did. Anyway, at his speech at the National Press Club, he was asked, well, why should we trust you when papers like Washington Post or institutions like ABC have levels and levels of editors who vet every story before it gets published? And that's kind of what people assume when they hear from ABC or CNN or The Washington Post or The Arizona Republic. I'm going to tell you something. It's baloney. It's absolute baloney. Matt had a great answer, and he went through story after story through these big organizations that turned out to be untrue. Yeah, they have a lot of editors. But why would you think the editors are any better or less biased or any smarter than the people paid to read that tripe on television in the first place? They're not. They're younger, they're less experienced, and they're more ideological. The levels of editing means nothing today. It's the credibility of the person giving you that news and the credibility of the story underneath it, which you have the power to investigate, and too many people won't do. That's our challenge, communicating to them. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Your dollar buys less today than it did a month ago. Paper money continues to be worth less and less. I'm painfully aware of this every time I go shopping. I don't need to tell you this. You are as well. The good news is gold and other precious metals traditionally hold their value when economies fail and fall like now. I don't have confidence in this government doing the right thing to keep our money and investment safe. I doubt you do either. Why would you put full faith and credit in this group? But real money has real worth. 
Gold is real money. It has real worth. I get mine from the Midas Gold Group, and I'm advising you to do the same. The veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Seb Gorka gets it. Thousands of you already do. And for those of you interested in adding gold or other precious metals to your portfolio, check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. I was just talking uh, with a friend uh, during the commercial break about the insanity, the the, the insanity of this uh, wiping away college student debt proposal that Joe Biden is going to go with tomorrow. And it, it it makes you wonder about a lot of the policies they're pushing through. I mean, who would think that this is a good idea going into uh, an election season or in an election season? The election's, uh, what, two months away? Less, right? Uh, yeah, two months away. Yeah, just a little more than two months away, probably about uh, anyway, uh, November. So the point being this, why why would they be doing this? Why would they be pushing for an assault weapons ban? You almost never get Second Amendment issues in an election year, much less in an election season. Why would they be pushing through a spending bill in a time of inflation, a trillion dollar spending bill in a time of inflation? Why would they be in that bill proposing the hiring of tens of thousands, 87,000 new IRS agents. Why would they be advertising for jobs with the IRS, uh, uh, promoting that you would need to know how to use, carry and use an, a, a gun? Why are they doing all this? It's not because they think these are winning issues. These are not winning issues. Again, there is a reason 75 to 90 percent of Americans think we're on the wrong track. 75 percent is NBC's number. Monmouth has it at 90 percent. These are super majorities. The Democrats, I think, know one big thing, that November is not going to be rewarding to them. So why not do what they can to to, uh, force through all of their socialist dream policies. This was the criticism. In fact, in an interview, he said it. This was the criticism of Barack Obama of Barack Obama from the left that he didn't he didn't feel like he did enough when he had the majority when he had majorities. Remember, that changed with the Tea Party movement in 2010. That all changed. He had a free ride till 2010 and he didn't feel in light of history that he had done enough. Well, Joe Biden was part of that administration. And obviously, uh, a lot of people were alive and adults and part of that administration too are part of this administration. You think of Susan Rice, you think of others. They drew that lesson and they know that lesson. So they're going to Ram through whatever they can before uh, politics becomes unkind to them. What's unforgivable about this is how unkind it is to the country, how unkind the consequences are to all of us who are feeling it. I just did a read, a, a commercial read on the inflation issue. This administration promised an Inflation Reduction Act. At the same time, the Fed is announcing happily that they're going to raise rates again. Why would the Fed need to raise rates if the Inflation Reduction Act just being passed is supposed to work? Because they know it isn't. It's just a Christmas tree that they themselves built so that they can have all their ornaments before Republicans take control in January. 
How do we get to 75% of the American public thinking we're on the wrong track? Well, just think about a little bit of memory lane with this administration. Crime. Take the crime issue. How many people here remember Operation Legend? At least 12 major cities broke annual homicide records last year. Yet Joe Biden ended a Trump Justice Department program known as Operation Legend, which deployed federal officers to aid local law enforcement that arrested 6,000 criminals. Chicago suffering the most violent year probably in a quarter century. Mayor is now requesting federal help to fight violent crime. Other cities like San Francisco are too. They had it. They had it, that federal help with Donald Trump. Joe Biden cancels that program. Violent crime soars. And does the, do they reexamine the need to re, reopen Operation Legend or rethink the canceling of Operation Legend? No. They take the FBI and they weaponize it against the former president. Brandon Weikert had a tweet last night uh, that spoke volumes when you just think about the simplicity of his point. What's the what's the major news out of the FBI today? What's the major news in Washington, D.C. and Florida? Donald Trump's presidential papers. Can you believe that? Just for a second, step back and think. Two years after his presidency, and the major news story is Donald Trump's presidential papers. It's quite something how much this guy's, um, shall we say, demise, departure, and really political death, if not worse, is the passion of the Democratic Party. This is all they care about. If Trump did it, it was bad. Think about Operation Legend. It was actually good. 6,000 criminals removed from the streets. Let's get rid of that. And let's sick the FBI on Donald Trump. How about weaponizing the FBI to intimidate parents who show up at school board meetings and calling parents who show up at school board meetings domestic terrorists? This is what the FBI has been turned into, folks. And that's just the crime issue. We have a lot more we could say about the crime issue. I have a lot more issues we can talk about as to why this country may think it's going on the wrong path. We'll talk about it when we come back. Welcome back to the show. 34 past the hour brings us John Dombrowski for our culture and economy update. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Also has his own radio show here every Saturday morning on 960 The Patriot. It is called The Word on Wealth, 7 a.m. every Saturday. John, how are you this Tuesday? Fantastic. Thank you, Seth. John, this is going to be a big day. Darn Uh-oh. deal. This yes. is but Joe Biden, the Wall Street Journal, others as well. Wall Street Journal is uh, reporting that Biden is planning a student loan announcement tomorrow. CNBC says Biden decision on student loan forgiveness mm. could come as soon as Wednesday. I guess I really only have one question for you, yes. uh, which is when will we get mortgage and auto loan and credit card debt forgiveness as well? Might as well, right? Talk Giving to me about money. this. Talk to us about this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this is a battle that's been going on for a while, right? I've been yeah. talking about yeah. this for a while. And if you yeah. think about you know, if this is true that the president is considering ten thousand dollars, and again, it's going to be limited for those who uh, have yearly incomes of less than one hundred twenty-five thousand right. um, dollars. There's also the the issue about those maybe who have paid off right. their loans recently. Right. Uh, what about them? Uh, how is that fair? 
right? Just because they don't have debt. Uh, and then what about uh, those moving forward who are going to maybe want to borrow money and take out a student loan? Should they get it? But the left, you know, the wing of the party is even uh, thinking about more than this. Elizabeth Warren talking about uh, $50,000. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got um, – uh, Bernie Sanders, 100% of whatever the yeah, debt is. Sure, just wipe it out. Right. What is it, $1.7 trillion? Right. Let's just wipe it out, and we'll just put it on our balance sheet as a bad, uncollected debt. Um, and who's going to pay for it, though, Seth? Yeah. It's, it's, this, you just don't get rid of it. It, it just means we're going to have to pay for it. Where's it going to come from? It's going to come out of all of us. Uh, so I think it's overall a bad idea, but this is me. Uh, I don't have any student debt right now, so I guess I can say that. Um, but they're talking about six, 62% uh, of the voters out there support some type of student loan forgiveness. Uh, maybe all 62% of those people have student loans. I don't know. Uh, but it's I don't think it's really going to be the best thing for this country at this this point in time. I think it's going to be a political uh, I, I think it's going to be a political nightmare for the Democrats uh, driving this wedge between um, Americans who went to college and Americans who didn't. Uh, more didn't. They're not going to understand it. And yet even more who did paid off their loans yeah. and they're not going to understand it. So there's this political problem. But let's take the economics of it for a moment, John, because mm-hmm. you and I have talked. We've had a few discussions about debt generally yes. and how it can be an instrument, uh, an instrument to use. I mean, there are reasons people engage in, you know, mortgages, a mortgage is a debt, um, yeah. you know, sometimes a credit card, other loans, auto loans. Obviously, these are instruments that have some worth or importance and equally important in obviously paying them off so the whole system works. Uh, John, what's your sense of people um, facing retirement, people looking at the future, having um, spent money on college in the first place? Is that going into debt for college a good use of that instrument of debt? Well, you know, Seth, uh, that's, 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 that's a great question because it's hard to say. But yeah. you, you have uh, many successful people out there without a college degree. I think more people are coming to this conclusion is my yes. point. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, I think the way to approach this may be better to address the problem with, with the student loans. There you go. Which, you know, you've got companies out there that are preying on these students. Uh, and students don't necessarily have all of the facts. And uh, maybe they're unsure about their education. Uh, maybe uh, parents need to get a little bit more involved with this with their children. And they need to really educate them on, on what this means uh, about borrowing money uh, and then how that money is going to be paid back. Uh, as well as, I think, uh, from, from a standpoint of uh, if I were I, – I don't have any children, but if I did, I would really sit down with my child and I would – uh, really help them understand what this means. Maybe get a job. Yep. You know, uh, before you go to college, yep. uh, understand how all of that works. Yep. Pay for some of the things on your own yep. a little bit and get a feel for it. So that if you're going to borrow money, you're going to think twice about it yeah. and what that means. And if you're going to be serious about an education, uh, then you're going to pick something that ultimately is going to allow you to uh, p- repay the debt that you're going to take. But I think that if the government wants to be part of this. Then let's make the government part of it. Maybe it is something that once you get a job, if the government's going to back these loans, once you get a job, maybe money is taken out in the form of some type of a repayment, almost like a withholding from your paycheck. So as an example, you're getting your paycheck each each uh, pay period. The government's going to take back some of the money that they lent you for that education. 
and you're going to pay it back because it's going to be withheld directly from your paycheck. You know, that's an interesting thought. My thought is to also put some onuses on the colleges and universities themselves mm-hmm. for what it is that they are selling, literally right. selling. If you think about True. it, they're sitting on these huge endowments. ASU alone has an over $1 billion endowment. I don't know if people right. know that. I'm not talking about all three. Just ASU in mm-hmm. Arizona alone has it. And I wondered if why, why we couldn't think about ways to tie eligibility at these colleges for students based on the record of their graduates paying them off. Yeah. Well, Hold them accountable, too. Probably. Why don't they just, uh, you know, assess assess a tax on that? Yeah, exactly you know? right. Exactly. That, that's that's not an unserious proposal, no, John. Very that, true. That we really should think about that as that, well I when we're talking about it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. John Dombrowski, always a good thought. Thank but you, again, sir. if you're going to have that situation yep. with children, you can always save for their education using a 529 plan okay. or even your Roth IRA. If you want to learn more about that, please reach out to me. Go no, to you're the expert. That's a good com. reminder, too. Yeah. Thank you, John. Securities and advisory services offered to client with Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and client affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, John. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Uh, let's see. Dave and Surprise. Dave, hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you, sir? I am fine. What's up? Thank you for taking my call, first of all. Uh, you got a great show. I think you should go nationwide if there was room out there. Oh, you're kind. Thank but anyways, you. Thank you. The reason I'm calling is I was wondering if you've seen that Arkansas police beating tape. Yeah, I saw it, um, and I haven't. Uh, I saw it yesterday, and I didn't follow up on it. I meant to. What do you got on it for us, Dave? Well, I saw it yesterday as well, and then I saw it again today even longer. And uh, it, it appears to be a brutal beating. Yeah. However, these three policemen who are trying to bring this guy under control, uh, toward the end of the tape, which lasted, I mean, at least 20, 30 seconds, you see the man actually turning himself over while being beating, while, you know, being, trying to be subdued by these police officers. Uh, what, and and, and what is that point telling point. you? And what do you draw from that, well, Dave? Well, I mean, what, what happened if this guy happened to get one of these guns from these police officers? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're bring him under control and to get him to cooperate i mean i mean you know we don't know what this guy was on or anything but it's just that you know to me it's just a reflection of the media and how they're just portraying the stuff in, in the wrong light well one thing i think we can say that we can say with a degree a certain degree of certainty uh, amongst ourselves and our listeners dave and you tell me if i'm wrong uh, one is that what we saw on the tape what we saw on the tape yesterday looked totally unjustifiable. What we saw on the tape yesterday that the media played looked totally unjustifiable, and I wish I could find immediately stronger words than that. That's point one. Mm-hmm. I think we could agree on that. The second point I think we Absolutely. can agree on is that what we see from the media on these tapes is usually never the full story. It's yeah, usually never the full welcome. story. We shouldn't and make decisions based on edited clips the media plays for us. Yeah, because, at the, like I said, as you see the longer clip, you see the man actually turning himself over during this, this uh, uh, you know, trying to be seduced. What? Trying to seduce the man, and he's actually turned himself over, which after would look like a beating. I, I, you know, it just was too cloudy. What I saw was too cloudy yeah. for me to discern whether the guy was uh, still able to act 
on volition or whether, you know, this was, you know, a reaction to brunt, uh, uh, brutal force, blunt trauma for, yeah, blunt force trauma. It just, I couldn't tell. And there's no way I'm going to be able to tell until the entire tape is released. Do we know if the the officers had cameras? Do we know this? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't heard You're good to raise it. Dave, no, you're good to bring it up. And um, that it's a good reminder for me to try and follow up on that story. Uh, but I, I, I think I think both things we can agree on both things. One, what we saw totally unjustifiable based on what we saw Two, what we see is usually never the whole story, which is to say there's a third thing which may make worse what we saw if we get to see the whole thing, or it may, as you say, Dave, possibly mitigate some of what we saw. But the whole story needs to come out, obviously, so that we can have a full and complete grasp of what happened. But if you want to understand the media distorting this stuff, you know, I can give you the border agents with reins. I can give you Michael Brown. There's a lot. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.